for news in New York. I'll be back with another 15 minutes of news at 11 o'clock. Coming up, Gene Shepard. symbolically puts on his symbolic shades to protect himself from the evil emanations of the evil people on all sides of them. And once again, the faithful have assembled. Oh, my God, they've assembled for another symbolic sacrifice. Wouldn't you like to attend a human sacrifice? <laughs> Bring it up there, Big George, please. Big. Thank you very much. Many of the things that you will hear on the following program are in exceedingly bad taste. We thought we'd warn you. Many things. <clears throat> Just warming up there. By the way, the lyrics to our theme song are unbelievably explicit and uh, replete with many 18th century expletives. And for those of you who are guaranteed art students, we will be glad to send you a copy of the lyrics of our theme song that you can sing along with it as the program every night comes into being. Up and down. Come on. Pull in your gut. Let's go. Come on. Move it up there. You, know, up, 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 up. you must be over 21. It will be mailed to you in a brown seal wrapper. Up, up, up. You must be a qualified art student, however. How are you, George? That's right. You're not kidding me. All right, let's see. Before we get started here tonight, this is the middle of the week. Nothing time, right? You see, the groovy time of our being on at this time of the week is that we've already weeded out the sheep. And there's nothing left but us goats. I mean, the weekend listener ain't nothing like us. Uh, by the way, uh, to uh, further weed out the sheep, uh, uh, I will award a brass piggy with a bronze oak leaf plum for anyone who can give me the next line to tonight's $50,000 mystery award. Bring it up, George. Quick. One, two, three, four. It is mystery award time. Yes, once again, the wheel of fortune turns. Once again, the vast, the vast hand of fate is pointing down at a numberless horde of victims. Will you be one of the lucky ones tonight? Will you be one of the talented ones tonight? And as you stand beside that vast, onrushing, enormous subway train of time and existence, will you catch the vast ring? Come on, right up that yard. No, I don't like that chicken. Oh, what's that thing? Come on, George. Hey, help, help, get it out. Stop, pull. 
a serious radio station. You just interrupted right in the middle of it, George. You interrupted my salute to Norman Mailer, Betty Friday, and Gloria Steinem. And what a bad night to do it on Woman's Lib Day. I know what you believe in. Yes, sir. And don't think she don't know. You ain't fooling nobody. By the way, speaking of women's lib, I hate to say this, but, uh, you know, after all, one is bound by one's artistic scruples to say the truth. That's <laughs> you really want the truth? Uh, ten- <laughs> oh, man. Uh, tonight, uh, uh, I will award the brass figure with bronze oak leaf palm to one listener who will rise above the muck and the mire of listenerdom. The ordinary humdrum, basically nothing life lived by the vast audience uh, we will award you a brass big biggie with bronze oak leaf palm if you can tell me what television channel locally here in New York City is playing later on tonight, putting on the old projector there, a basically unbelievably turkey movie, which is a salute to woman's lip. What is the title and what channel is it? All right, we'll give you time now to get out your TV guide which now features a 17-part article on the real Lauren Green at home at the Ponderosa Ranch. I've often wondered about that Ponderosa crowd. Those guys are all pushing 40, and I never see any of them have a date. I'm worried about that game. All they do is sit around and belch, and, oh, man. I don't know. That's... All right, take it out. All right, will you, George, please, uh, bring on the next one. The next one. And before... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just times when you got to stand up and say it, man. And one of the things you're going to have to say is I, I was going to sleep in the kitchen with my feet out in the hall. I'm just going to lay here until my hat floats out to sea. Because, baby, you ain't putting it over on me again. No, sir. Ba-boo, ba-boo, I got that muddy water blues. Muddy water blues. And you ain't fooling me. I mean, it's been nothing but fist fighting all my life, baby, and it's too long, too long. And one day I'm just going to split. I'm going to go out on that vast Route 66 of existence. And I'm going to trail smoke, and you ain't ever going to see me again. Oh, yeah, baby, come on now. Thank you, hold it, hold it. That's enough, George. Yes, you're good. Let me set that there. Charles, he's doing one of those silly programs again. I wish he'd talk about interesting hobbies. That's a good program when he talks about interesting hobbies. And I'm going to write to Mr. Gambling and see that he's straightened up. Da 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 dee 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 dee. And Lee, there's a note here. It says, "Read in Charlie Chan accent." Do I have to do it? It's a note here for the Mandarin House commercial. It says, "I must read it in my Charlie Chan accent." Sapub, oh no, I'm not in the mood, you know. So yeah, beautiful atmosphere, model up prices. Come on, Lee, silly. Let's just read it with great alarm and suavity. Yes. The Mandarin House is in the village. And that's, uh, you know, that's where it is. Let's face it. 
I mean, it is. Do you agree, George? All right. That's where I live. That's the only place to live. It's the Mandarin houses in the village. And you can have lunch or dinner in their garden dining room and discover the real greatness of Chinese cooking. You can get all skunked on sweet and sour turtle and stuff like that. Complete dinner started only $4. Oh, yeah, I had a sweet and sour fielder's mitt one day in a Chinese restaurant. I'll never forget it, friends. I don't know what the hell it was they served me, but it wasn't the Mandarin house where you get real scoff. And if you, have, you know, you're trying to make the scene in here in New York, I would like to suggest you try the Mandarin house. It's in the village. It's on 13th Street, 133 West 13th Street, which in certain cases can be considered a bad luck scene right there, but I don't know. It's between 6th and 7th Avenues, and it, you know, it, 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 it makes a statement. I, I hate to tell you this, but uh, maybe I better not. I think I won't. <laughs> no, I just don't think I better tell that. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, it's it's like, uh, well, you know, it's it's like it's like luck. I mean, I remember Eddie Stanky saying, given the choice between luck and talent, I'd take luck any time. I mean, talent never gets you anywhere. It's luck that does it. Yeah, don't you wish you had good luck? I mean, you know, friends, if you had luck, you wouldn't be listening to me at this time. Anybody that's frizzling away his time between... You know, 10, 15, and 11 o'clock in the middle of New York City listening to the radio. It ain't happened. It just ain't happened. That's right. And right now at this minute, there's a great crowd of the lucky sitting in Sardis wearing their black glasses. Sitting there playing it cool. Eating those $7 chicken sandwiches. You know. That's right. And look at us. Well... You never can judge luck. Never can honestly, you know, know. Now, for example, right this minute, I may ask you a question that could open up an entire new world for you. Just like that, you know, it descends in a fantastic torrent of unbelievable ecstasy. Wouldn't it be fantastic if tonight there was a knock at your door and a pad, you know, and you opened it up? First of all, you're worried, you know, about what's going to happen. Because uh, most of us, you know, it's just like me. Every time the phone rings, I break out in a rash. You know, all at the same time, I think that it, at last it's come. It, the call. The big one. What do you mean, no? Are you saying it will not come? Is that what you're saying? This is not an American attitude. One cannot believe that. One must believe that over the horizon lies the next day when the great light bulb of purely idyllic existence will burst like a bomb on the scene of my oneness. <laughs> now, you think that's a lot of garbage? Do you? Look, friends, one man's garbage is another man's Thanksgiving dinner. I do not wish to, you know, cross swords with you, but, you know, speaking of garbage, we have a, we have a, a one of our spies. You, you think, listen, you think that, uh, that you've been uh, running at the gobbledygook recently? I mean, you know, in life, have you ever actually listened to a guy trying to sell you a, a new car? You know, have you noticed the new car commercials don't even talk about the cars anymore, George? They see, they always show this guy with this beautiful chick. And he's rolling over the countryside through the rain for 59 seconds, fleeing. And there's a voice singing behind that uh, promises illicit ecstasy. 
if one buys the new, you know, dynamatic, super wide-track whoopie-mobile. That's right. That's the whole new romantic approach to things. One does not deal directly with right guard. One does not say you sprayed his stuff in the right spots and the people won't walk away as fast as they've been walking away from you. You, uh, you deal with something more subtle, more delicate than that, you see. You see in the middle of the, of the middle distance the blue haze swirling off there over the purple hills. You see a vague emergence. Give me a little romantic music, please, George. Just a little romantic. You see swirling out of the purple hills the emerging form of a bottle of the all-new Ajax coming out of the heavens promising you that all the new ingredients are even better than the old ones which law forced them to take out and now because of this all of life is improved are you the new model friends improved special new packaging dynamic new involvement factor built right in to your automatic transmission of existence <laughs> it's like today I'm walking along the street <laughs> nobody appreciates really great stuff I'm walking along 4th Street in the village, see, and there, sitting parked along the sidewalk, was a classic, magnificently, completely restored, 1948 Chrysler Imperial. Now, this, this, this is a car that makes a statement. Jet black, four door, had doors in the back and the sides, had side mounts the whole bit. And a sign in the window says, for sale. Any offer over 1G. <laughs> Some guy was in mighty bad trouble. Mighty bad. And I'm walking along, looking at this thing. See, this. I can just see the scene where this guy, you know, he's married to this chick. They've got three chihuahuas, four kids, and a new color TV set. Oh, my God, it's growing on him like a monster. And finally, she says, you've got to get rid of that bed. Get rid of that car. He says, oh rid of everything else, my soul, now my my fully restored 1948 Chrysler Imperial. You get rid of that or don't come back. Now there's a sign in the window that says, must sell. Any offer. Over 1G. That's the way he wrote it. Well, I'm walking along, see, and I see this. This beautiful thing, see. And I see this. See, that was a subtle cue there that me and George have got going here. And I, and I see this thing. And I'm looking at it, it's beautiful, 14 feet along the sidewalk there, just gleaming in the sun. And some old doll comes out of the, out of the international D'Agostino store there, carrying one of them knit shopping bags full of bones. You know, the kind of ladies that you see always hanging around the, hanging around the frozen food counter there. She comes out with this thing and she takes one look and she says, yeah, what a silly looking car, who would buy that car? Lady, wherever you are, may your shopping bags... How many they may be burn in hell. Burn in the fiery furnace of hell. I gonna sleep in the kitchen with my feet in the hall, baby. I ain't gonna have nothing to do with you no more. Yeah, Thank you, thank you. Speaking of the fiery furnace of hell, this is W.O.R. New York. And, uh, if you've been, you know, it's not luck, friends. It's, it's knowing, you know, and if you've been walking around itching 
we'd like to point out that there's important news here tonight for you parents to pass along to that lout that you're living with immediately. It is <laughs> still not too late for fall registration. He's going to love to hear that. It's still not too late for fall registration at New York Institute of Technology. You lay that one on him, and he's going to be quivering for a week. New York Tech offers students the opportunity to earn a college degree. I mean, in spite of what's not going on between his ears, he may be able to make it. A professional future in television, computer technology, architectural design, accounting, business management, and some things I can't even read on the air here. The fine arts, or any of the fine arts. That reminds me. Did I ever tell you about the guy I knew who came from Dartmouth and had a degree in fine arts and wound up one of the best and most prolific creators of stag films ever ever to come out of New York City? He's a legend in the stag film field. I just, just thought you'd ought to know that there's a lot of things open to you with a college degree, friends. And if you would like to find out about this, the New York Institute of Technology is just off Route 25A in Old Westbury. And it is a beautiful campus. Girls walking around, the whole thing. Telephone 516. That's the area code. 516. And the number is MA63400. One of them big, nice, round, fat, important numbers. In Manhattan, it's 888 7th Avenue. That's at 56th Street. And the phone number is 212, which is the New York area code, 582-8080. Why don't you call them up see what's happening down there in the fine arts department right now? Well, now, I'll tell you, though, now that we've gotten to the point of, you know, dealing with the realities of what we're dealing with here tonight, we got might as well get down to where it is. That uh, you can't, you can't really put down luck. You know, Americans don't believe in fate. That whenever anything, whenever the roof falls in, we look around to see who loused up. Somebody did it. We're living in the age of the universal cop out, and oh, I'm certainly no exception to the rule, friends. You just tap Shepard and you will get 500 sad stories. 5,000 of how the cop-out works. And incidentally, before we go any further, I will award a brass figure tonight with, an, with a bronze oak leaf palm. Oh, yes. Yes, thank you. Thank you. We've just been given a note here from our intelligence department asking the question, am I on? It says, are you on God's top 40? I don't know. I thought about that. There's now a current Western country song which deals with being on God's top 40. And, uh, yeah, it, it starts out, it says, Are you on God's top 40? Are you one of them tunes that's making it big? Are you on God's top 40? Or are you just a old and goldie from the past? <laughs> I thought you didn't know. I don't know. Are you on God's top 40, friends? I want you to look deep in your soul and ask yourself that. In life's vast brill building of humanity, are you a hit tune, or are you just a flip side on the B side of a, of a record that never made it? If you owned that vast jukebox of eternity, would you play you? These things one must answer for oneself. 
Are you? Oh, no, better not. Better not. It's like the time I was in this carnival. Walking around, I'm a kid, you know. You, you've been to a carnival recently? Or is it a carnival you live in all the time? <laughs> you understand that the word carnival, carnival, now let's, let's, uh, let's get a little uh, pompous and stuffy about this. The word carnival comes from the basic root, which also has created carnivorous. Carnivore? Carnival? Carnivatus? Carnivate? Carnivorous. Which means a gathering of the meat eaters. The carnival. And that's exactly what it is. I mean, you walk down that midway, friends, and you're on the make. You see all those rides going up and down, the people flying up and down on those those fantastic roller coasters and the bobs. And there's always these games of chance as you walk along that long midway out of Atlantic City, Asbury Park. Keensburg, New Jersey. Is there a Keensburg, New Jersey? Or is this a myth like Erewhon? Keensburg. It seems to me one time when I... I'll never forget... You know, you want to hear an army story? Well, you're going to hear one. It's not a matter of whether you want to hear something or whether... One does not question... Does one want Wednesday when Wednesday arrives? It's totally academic. Does one want the bolt of lightning when it strikes? Academic. But you know, there are certain things in your life which attain a kind of curiously hallucinatory quality that have no real basis in reality. It's like it's hard to remember a specific day from school. School is a hallucinatory, almost a, a dream existence. And it's hard to put it down. Well, the Army is even more than that. George, you were in the Marines, right? It's hard to believe you ever were. <laughs> Isn't it? Such a wild scene. And I remember one night. I never told this story. I shouldn't tell it either. I remember one night. I was over at Fort Monmouth. Been in the Army now for two years. And you sort of, when, you, when you've been in that long, you know, that time, it's your life. You don't think of being out. You don't think of any other existence other than the, than the now existence. And the one groovy thing about being in the Army or being in any one of the services, and there aren't many groovy things, but one of them is you live for this instant. You don't save your pay. One does not say. In fact, I have known of guys who have gotten rid of their pay in less than 12 milliseconds. After it's handed to why? Because it's only the now, this instant, and so it is payday. You know what it's like to be paid in the army. Do any of you know? You know, you never see the scene in the movies, do you? You know, you never see guys in in in, in army movies or marine movies or anything. You never see them getting paid. You always show them in combat, which is a very tiny part of that whole world of the army. In fact, such a tiny part that very few guys ever get even involved in it. I remember payday, Fort Monmouth. It's raining. 
Hard, driving, stinky rain. But that didn't matter. It was payday. And they had a tradition in the Army, which they still have. On payday, you only, you got a half day. Right? Half day. Did you know that? The Army, the Met, and, and, and you're always paid in the middle of the week. See, it's a great thing. Half day. And then immediately after pay, you're free. You get a pass. You can go. Okay? So it is now 11.30 in the morning. I'm sitting in the barracks. I have not been paid for three months. I have not been out of tents and barracks buildings for three months or better. Why have I not been paid? I've been redlined. Never hear this phrase outside of the service. Redline means that when you arrive at the point where you're about to get paid, the sergeant who was doing the paying looks up and says, you're redlined. That means you don't get paid. That means something bad's going to happen to you, like you're going to get shipped. And so they withhold your pay. And for three months now, I have not gotten paid. In fact, for three months, I was, I was, I was, I would go down to the PX and I would just look at Milky Way bars. <laughs> you know, just watch guys eat them. <laughs> yeah, you get a kind of a vicarious thrill out of watching another guy swill a beer. And you walk past him, you could smell the suds, you know. And uh, so here it is, it's payday. And I'm sitting on the edge of my bunk. We're going to get paid at noon. Now, I will award a brass figure for any guy, seriously, any yard bird out there, ex-yard bird, who can, who can sing into the telephone, pay call. Very few civilians have ever heard pay call that is blown on a bugle all throughout the camps on a recording that lets them know the eagle is now going to, Okay? <laughs> That's another army expression. Now, is there anybody out there could now all all people, you know, they think they know any they think they know bugle calls, you know, the, the charge call that you always hear at the Mets games. Uh that's a cavalry call. By the way, it's it's never used in actual it's a it's an old uh, obsolete cavalry call. You know the charge call. Uh, everybody knows taps, you know, da 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 you know you know this. Everybody knows da 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 They know what that means, right? How many of you know what da 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 What does that one mean? What? Well, you're right. You're right. I don't know what your early youth was spent in, but you're right. That means they're about to feed you. And there is a set of unbelievably obscene lyrics that go with that one. Yeah, the guys had lyrics to every one of these songs. Now, can anybody out there give me pay call? Now, I don't want, no, all present company exempted because present company and all radio stations knows everything. So that's all exempted. Give me pay call. And there's another one. You know what? One of the most beautiful calls of all when you, when you hear it just drifting out and nothing to do with your, your, you know, your philosophy is church call. You ever heard that one? Now, that was one I heard rarely because I made it my point either to be asleep on Sunday morning or out of that place, man, out. I used to get out and go. In fact, when I had no money and no place to go, I would just walk out of the camp and just stand outside the gate for the weekend in the weeds. <laughs> you know, just, just to be out of there, you know. Couldn't go anywhere. Couldn't afford a bus ticket. I just to stand out there in the weeds. Guys would bring me, you know, something out of the mess hall to eat once in a while. I'd sit out there in freedom. Nobody knows pay call. Well, this morning, I'm sitting there, 
It's 11.30, see. Sitting in a barracks. I've had some obscene, uh, hum- totally humiliating uh, uh, duty that morning. You know, a, a real... Well, listen, I, I can't use the expression, because, you know, that's the trouble. There's no way to tell you what the Army says these things are like, and it's nothing like movies. I had a detail. Now, the detail had a four-letter word before it. And that is, is used all as one expression, right, George? It's one expression. It's not two words. It's one expression. And that's the kind of detail I had. See? So I'll tell you what the detail consisted of. It was, it was a cold, rainy, miserable day. And me and seven other guys from this company was rounded up and taken out to what they called a tent area. And for like seven hours, from 5 o'clock on, me and these other six guys cleaned out the stoves, the ashes, out of the tents. They had these little stoves in there, pot-bellied stoves. We did nothing but clean out ashes. Well, after the fourth or fifth stove, it begins to pall. After the eighth or ninth, it's no longer fun cleaning ashes out of a frozen tent in the rain. And so now it is 11 o'clock and we've been brought back to our area and I'm sitting in the barracks there. I got my class A's on. I'm ready, see, because... Class A means I've got my full dress uniform. What a joke. I got my class A's on, Sam, waiting there. And across from the next bunk is Gasser. Little you know, the two of us realized that we were about to be partners in the total disaster, but one never knows this, and I th- I say that this just as well that we do not know that disaster is approaching. Do you agree, George? Do you agree that it's best that we cannot tell the future? <laughs> oh man. So we're sitting in this barracks there seeing it's raining and the rain is pouring down on the top of the roof there and i'm all dressed up in my class a's because i'm so excited i mean have you ever can you imagine how it feels in your life you know because you're a civilian you don't realize what 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 freedom you've got but if you can can imagine being without scratch of any type being without pay any any kind of money at all for three months and to be able, because of that, you can't go anywhere or go out or do anything. So for, it's like being in jail for three months. And you can imagine the excitement today they're going to pay. Well, we're sitting in the barracks, me and Gasser. In comes Zinsmeister. Zinsmeister looks down at barracks and he says, Did you hear the rumor? Well, that word, rumor, is one of the most fiendish words in the entire lexicon of the service. Immediately guesses is what rumor? I said, you hear about it? Do you hear what they're going to do with Company K? Guesses said, don't tell me we're shipping. Again! We have not been paid for three months! Actually, there were several words that he put into that sentence, which I have deleted due to the fact of the earliness of the hour. Plus the fact our women and children still with us who may not know these words. I do not be the one to wish. I do not wish to be the one to bring these words to you, because then we'd have to, you know, turn out an addenda and all that a dictionary of terms used on this program and so forth. So, nevertheless, Gasser says, "Don't tell me they're shipping us again." Pregnant pause. Zinsmeister says, "Worse than that." Gasser says, "What could be worse than that?" wait I ain't going to be the one to tell you well five minutes later P 
hay call blew through the rain. What a beautiful sound. Come on. Let, let's, any GI out there, any ex-GI who remembers what pay call sounded like, give us a call. I'm going to test you. See whether you can hum into the phone pay call. I've never heard pay call ever in an Army movie, and yet it's the sweetest sound in the Army. And it echoed throughout the entire camp through the rain. You could hear it as say, echoing, drifting out. And instantly, all the GIs, you know, every guy, and all the barracks, for that one instant, we were united. As a matter of fact, Company K hated totally Company M for various reasons, which, you know, I will not go into at this time because they're simply boring. But let me, let me tell you, it was a well-earned well hate. So at this moment, though, Company K, Company M, L, Company D, Company Z, uh, all of them were united in one thing. They were charging down towards the day room, whatever day room they lived in. And five minutes later, we're all standing in the line outside in the rain in front of the day room. Now, you may not know this, but one lines up in the Army to, to, to get paid according to rank. In other words, a master sergeant is up in the front of the line, and if you're a PFC, you're way in the back of the line. However, you are in front of guys who are plain, ordinary, you-know-what, yardbirds. So a private stands behind the PFCs. A PFC stands directly behind the corporals. The corporals stand behind the buck sergeants. The buck sergeants stand behind the staffs and all the way on up. But there is one group that stands in front of all of them, regardless of their rank. Does anyone know? Gets right in the front and is universally hated in the Army. we just let that settle out there. I was one of those guys. That's right. <laughs> there I was. A yard bird. Nope, cadre does not. No, no. It's not cadre we're talking about. That's a nice try, Lee, but you're wrong. So I am standing right in the front of the line, see? That is correct. Exact demo. Show it to them back there so they can see what it is. So, so yes, and that is on your serial record. See, they know. So there I am standing up in the front, seeing all these guys behind me. Gasser's up there in the front there with me, too, see, because we both have the magic serial number. We're standing outside of the day room, which is where they paid. Now, what is the day room? Maybe you don't know what the day room is. They never show day rooms in the Army. The day room is like the company club room. It's like where, <laughs> where you know, they got a pool table, they got a Coke machine that gives nothing but the warm Cokes. Uh, they have a ping-pong table. As a matter of fact, there was a ping-pong table that I once ran into in, in Fort Monmouth where they tell me that the same two guys have been playing the same ping-pong game there since just after the ending of the Spanish-American War. And we're, as far as I know, are still playing it. In fact, what's really interesting, they started out as privates. And uh, these guys were still playing away, and at the time I saw them, one guy was a master and the other guy was a tech. So... Uh, they were getting their, you know, their regular promotions and all that. They just kept playing there. So I never get near that ping-pong table. Uh, however, oh, no, no, you had to be uh, very special in to play ping-pong. Uh, nevertheless, we're waiting in front of the day room because they're going to pay. Now, when they pay in the Army, this is something you've probably never seen either, they have a big table. They take usually the ping-pong table, right? And they put on the ping-pong table this green felt covering, like the covering on a, on a pool table. They lay it out, see, and it's a, it's a cover. I just lay it over there, see. And behind the table sits the first sergeant. Next to him sits a staff sergeant who is usually the head of the office, like he's the, 
he's in charge of uh, the day. The, let's say he's in charge of the orderly room. See, he's the he's the executive adjutant NCO. He's sitting there. See, next to him on the other side is the CO, the company commander, who does not sully his hands by touching mere filthy lucre. He just sits there, see, and is dressed in his Class A uniforms. All right. Now, in front of the sergeant who is about to pay is a big, fat, iron strong box with a lock on it. It is filled with cabbage. D-E-A-U-X. Dough. Bucks, baby. The money. See, the real thing. Bread. And it's in cash bread. They don't pay in checks in the Army, see. So uh, he also has a list next to it. The list are all the guys who are about to receive what they are about to receive. Also tells what they are about to receive and why they are not to receive what they thought they were going to receive, which is the happy line. Okay? That's the, that's the company roster, the pay roster. And so the, the, everything is... It's like, a, it's like a tremendous moment of... of almost like... A, a moment in an opera when Mephistopheles is about to arrive. It is a moment where all things is still for an instant. The moment before they pay and the moment after the pay call has blown. It's a moment of sheer poetry and beauty. It's the anticipation. As a matter of fact, you know there was an entire Greek, an entire Greek philosophy built on anticipation rather than realization. Which philosophy was that? Was that the hedonist? No. Was that the uh, Platonic philosophy? No. The Stoics. The Stoics believed that to contemplate a sizzling steak and refrain from indulging is the basic ecstasy of our time. That to indulge is to sate, and to, and to sate is to destroy the basic anticipatory ecstasy. You follow? You don't. Well, neither do I, personally. But you know, the idea of getting paid, about to be getting paid, is more exciting than being paid. You follow that? I, I know that Mr. Meany, George Meany, will not buy that. But uh, nevertheless, uh, nevertheless, this is, this is the fact. Have you noticed that, guy, that no, no sooner does a union get a raise than it's already mad at once another one? Because the same old, pro, you know, the guy gets the raise and his foot still hurts. His chick still puts him down. His Ford still burns oil. They can't figure out why. So they begin to plot for the next year's race. You see, the idea of getting a raise is more important than having a raise. Because once you get a raise, it's not a raise anymore. It's just your crummy old rotten pay, right? It's just like women. The whole thing, oh, it's all tied up, you know. The anticipation is much greater than realization. It always has been, always will be. I mean, uh, how many times have you looked forward to seeing a movie and then about halfway through the second reel, your behind is asleep, you know, and you're sitting there and you wonder whether it's the same movie you anticipated seeing, right? Okay. So here we are. We're all poised just seeing the rain out there. All of Company K is arrayed in its magnificent Class A uniforms, wearing our raincoats. I had a special... Of course, a GI raincoat is a special thing anyway. It's not really a raincoat. It's a sieve. It's, it's, it's really not designed to keep water off you. It's designed to keep the larger chunks of shrapnel and stuff away from you. Yeah, that's right. So we're all standing out there with our, with our raincoats on and our leggings. We're wearing our Class A uniforms. We had our OD shirts on. The rain is coming down, and there I am up at the front of the line. Okay.
There's a silence in the day room. And then Sergeant Kowalski steps up from behind his table, walks over to the door of the day room, opens up the door, looks out through the screen, says, All right, let's go, you guys. See, with a simple statement, underplayed, he started an entire train of human avariciousness. All right, you guys, let's go. He sits back down in front of his table. Now, for those of you who have never seen an army pay, miss one of the most beautiful sights of the army pay panoply and ritual. Everything is ritual in the army. Next to that steel strong box with the money is one other thing. What is it? Anybody who knows what it is, and man, your eyes are riveted to it instantly. Give me a call instantly, and we will award you tonight's Distinguished Service Medal. Then I call them. They don't know. They know. What is it? That's right. How did you know? Next to that big pay box is a loaded 45 caliber automatic revolver pistol. <laughs> because everything is out in the open there, you know. There's, there's, no, there's nothing hidden in the Army. Nothing. And there's that Roscoe laying there, see. Well, the door is open, and in goes Gasser. Now, there's a routine you follow when you get paid. You don't just come up and say, give me my money. You don't. You walk in a smart military manner, the way it's described, to the table. You quickly pivot. You salute. And you say, Shepard, JP, T5. One six zero nine eight nine four six. Reporter for pay, sir. There's a pregnant pause. First Sergeant Kowalski looks up and down the list. He turns to the company commander and says, twelve dollars and forty-seven cents. Company commander looks at his list and says, twelve dollars and forty-seven cents. Sergeant, the sergeant in the middle says, twelve dollars and forty-seven cents, and then you say. Excuse me, sir, may I ask a question, sir? He says, what is it? How come I've only got $12.47, sir? You get all the dope at the orderly room after pay. Here's your twelve forty-seven. Move on. And he hands you the $12.47 in dollar bills and in small chains, at which point you salute, pivot smartly, and you go back out into the rain. And everybody else goes through the same routine. And then, at that moment, the moment of release, Gasser and myself got on the bus with our $12.47. The first bus that came in front of that camp. We didn't even know where it was. Just the first one that came. We had to get out. And it was kind of raining, getting darker. We sat in that bus, and there was only three of us in the bus. And we went to a town which I have never heard of since. Nor did I hear of it before then. Keensburg, New Jersey. With our $12.47, me and Gazer fled through the screaming, howling night to Keensburg, New Jersey, in search of ecstasy, truth, and beauty. I remember the bus stopping in the main street of Keensburg. It was next to a chili joint. Gasser got out, and raining, oh, raining like Billy be damned, it was coming down. 
gas. He says, what do we do? He said, like, say. I says, how about some chili? He says, yeah, let's have some chili. This is what you're doing here. We went in and had four bowls of chili. Six beers, went out and back and threw up. And continued to walk down the street, looking for more ecstasy. And they had a little boardwalk. Do you know that in Keensburg they have a little boardwalk? And we walked around the merry-go-round 12 times, 500, 1,000 times, me and Gasser walked around the merry-go-round in the rain, enjoying the magnificent, the ecstatic night in Keensburg, New Jersey. And people kept going up and down on these wooden horses. That is about six or seven other GIs from Company M kept going up and down on the wooden horses. And then we walked back down through the rain and got on the 1110 bus, the only bus that left Keensburg, New Jersey, and headed back to headed back to Fort Monmouth. I had 66, maybe 67 cents left after that night of wild debauchery in Keensburg, eating chili, drinking beer, riding up and down on a wooden horse, throwing balls at, the, at what looked like Cupid dolls. And I'll never forget Keensburg. It represents the carnival to me.